Hi, everybody. So this episode, we have the wonderful Ajua and Solomon. And there's a couple times, I think, in the podcast where I called him Samuel. So I just wanted to say, no, his name is not Samuel. It's Solomon. And I apologize to him. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to tell you guys is stay tuned to the very end. You're going to notice we don't have the outgoing music. And that's because we have a little treat at the end. So stay tuned all the way to the end of the episode to listen to the little extra that I tacked on. Okay, thanks and enjoy the show. Okay, hi everybody and welcome to Dine with the Divine. I'm your host, Ashley, and together we'll be exploring the magical, the mystical, and everything in between. On today's podcast, we're gonna talk about festivals and we're gonna talk about maybe a helpful possession. We'll see what you guys think. So, but today we have a twofer. I love a twofer. So you, we have the wonderful, amazing, very talented Ajua Boche and Solomon Adbiyi, the creative couple behind Adeche Al... I can never say this word. Atelier. I literally just studied how to say it and then I said it wrong. Cool. They have um, become like, they're all over. You've probably seen them. They're all over the TikToks and the Instagrams. They tell stories. They have beautiful paintings. They're fantastic content creators. And they focus a lot on African mythology and culture. They're both full-time architects. Architecture school is hard, so congratulations. This is so ridiculous. I have a side story very quick. Everyone knows I love a rant. I'm sorry. I was When I went to college... I, this girl who dormed with us, she was like in architecture school and she just never left the building. She would just be there for like a week. It was weird. And we'd be like, is she alive? What's going on? (laughs) Anyway, so let me finish your introduction because I'm, I have a bird brain. So they have full-time careers in architecture and they are a Manchester based duo and they've dedicated their free time over the past three years to crafting art and it's literally visually stunning and beautiful and very vibrant. Anything that is colorful, I'm like, yes. <laughs> their paintings are not just works of art, but they're vibrant portrayals of the world of African mythological deities, folktales, and culture. And I know you guys just had a art exhibit, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was oh, great. That's, yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> Oh, my first question for you guys is how did you get into doing all of this? How about that? How about that? We met, obviously, we met at the same architecture university. The first time we actually met was at an art exhibition. Oh. We were, like exhibiting our work there. And yeah. that's we, we didn't know of each other back then, but we yeah. both had our separate works up. Yeah. Oh, and nice. then we realized, oh, love, we go to the same uni and we studied the same subjects. And that was great. So that's when we first met. And then, yeah, because we're both artists and we're both kind of creative people. Like Solomon was usually more of a... Photorealistic, using graphite, black and white stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was more of an illustrator, lots of colour and stuff like that. And Solomon one day was like, I really want to paint and use colour. So I was like, okay, I've bought some cameras here. She said that. I don't think he said it. We had like some cool different paint kind of session and then that's when we created our first joint piece, piece together. together and it looks wow, so good really and it was such an interesting yeah. process working together and we're like oh this looks good let's do this again yeah. <laughs> and then eventually we started exploring our culture our heritage through them 
it started as simple as started to think of the name to give a piece. Yeah. And then we started like joining them up with some like the Orishas or some of the deities that we knew. Well, we mm-hmm. didn't know at the time, yeah. but we've heard them and we're like, oh, yeah. that would be really interesting if that was related that, to yeah. that. Yeah. And then we started researching more into it. And then we we're like, wait, why don't we know more about this? Yeah. And then we journey and started creating, the researching, yeah. creating more. And then it became what we did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then on that journey, we found out that lots of people didn't know about a lot of these as well. Yeah, so so we were like, let's just tell the world, because these are great stories and great deities and great everything from such a powerful continent and nobody knows anything. So we were like, yeah, let's just make this our mission to teach everybody. Yeah, Yeah. because we love mythology as a whole, but you only really get to learn about Greek, Norse, or or those Western um, mythology. And yeah, so we thought that since... We're finding these things out and it's super interesting and it's so diverse, so rich, so complex. But why does no one else know about this? We started making it our mission and one video at a time, it started taking off. Yeah. <laughs> God, I also have to mention that you guys are just adorable. Like together, oh. you're just the cutest people. That is so fantastic. I love that. Um. Ajwa, you're Ghanaian, right? Yes. Okay. And Solomon, you're Nigerian? Yes, I am. That's great. I'm Ghanaian. Well, I'm my dad's from Ghana. And then my fiance's from Nigeria. Like, we're all friends now. That's <laughs> great. And my mom, actually, my mom's from England, but like, by the way, my grandfather's from Jamaica, but my mom's from England, actually. So this is all great. I feel very excited. Yeah, I've been watching you guys for a while. And actually, I saw your stuff like months and months ago and then I just didn't follow you and then I couldn't find it and then one of somebody who listens to this podcast is like have you ever seen these people I was like yes I have thank you and I couldn't remember their names I was like, oh. <laughs> like oh, you might be interested in looking at these people's content I was like yeah I've been looking at it and then I just them yeah <laughs> Yay, this is so great. I'm so excited to have you guys here. So the first thing we're going to do today, we're going to do our dish of the week. And because we're all West Africans here, we're going to have the battle of the swallows. Which is the best swallow? We don't know yet. We're going to find out. (laughs) Me and my fiance argue about this. Okay. Me, I grew up eating fufu. Only fufu? Yeah. Yeah. So fufu with every soup. Peanut butter soup. Fugu no. with okra soup, fugu with no. everything. So I met this man and he was like, do you want pounded yen? And I was like, what is that? <laughs> I was like, okay, let me explain also. Anybody who's listening to this podcast is like, what the hell are you talking about? The most, and I think it's like most West African countries have, we mm-hmm. have, we love a starch and we love a soup. This is what we do all the time. You'll have different kinds of starches, what we like, we'll call it swallow. And then you have whatever kind of soup that you're used to. Nigerians, you guys love goosey soup. I had no idea what that was until I met this dude. But he introduced me and now I'm obsessed. Love it. So it just depends where you're from. But everybody has different kinds of swallows that they like or their favorite. And they're made of different things. So again, I said, I've always been fufu all the time, forever. I will die with fufu and peanut butter soup in my coffin with me. <laughs> I, I love it. Okay. 
Let's talk about different kinds of swallow. I'm going to start with pounded yam because this was my discovery when I met my fiance. I I do like pounded yam. The process is too much. I don't want to do all of that. (laughs) It's. I mean, why pay for the gym when you can just say pounded yam? For anybody who's what? Okay, I'm going to put up a post on like the blog so you guys can see how they do it. But think of Americans. Think of if you've gone to one of these colonial. So in America, we have a lot of these like like places that will pretend to be colonial and they'll show how they did it in the old times. So think of like how they churn butter. Remember how it's like really hard? Yeah, Yeah, it's like that. But like you're literally pounding. Okay, so it's so nice to talk to you guys. But then I remember that everybody doesn't know what this is. Okay. So we have something called yams, not yams like sweet potatoes. This is yams. They're like, they look literally like logs. Yeah. They're like long brown and they're, and for, oh, Hispanic people, you guys will know as yuca. They call it yuca. So you can boil it. You can bake it. You can do whatever you want with it. It's great. It's very versatile. So to pound yam, you'll like boil it and then you put it in this butter churn situation and you literally have to pound it with a giant stick. Yes, looks hard. My fiance will tell you that in his town, he was like the yam pounder. This is how he made some extra money in the evenings. You know, just go around. He always told me that's how I made like a couple extra coins here and there. I was just like, everyone knew I was good at it. So I just went around and did it in the evening. I was like, I'm saying businessmen, Nigerians. So smart. It's good. It's soft. It's not like as soft as fufu usually, I don't think. It's a little yeah, harder. Yeah. yeah. It's a little harder, but I like it. It's fine. It's whatever. Fufu is always like my love, but it's like my second favorite. I yeah. Don't, yeah. Which, what swallow is, do you guys have a favorite swallow? Yeah. Okay. What's, there'd be pounded yam. So. But so, I, I, I've literally like, yeah, she, like, I grew up eating sushi all the time. I love sushi. <laughs> it's like I used to live in Ghana, so. Oh my god, it was just amazing. It's amazing, like so. I'm kind of like, I like it when I'm in Ghana because it's it's different. It tastes fresh, and it's you actually see them pounding it like this. And it's yes, like, yeah. There's something about like the proper Ghanaian food that's like, oh my god, yeah. I love it. Well, yeah. soup is chef's kids. Oh, oh, it's my favorite. It's I could make it every day and eat it. My fiance does not like it, but he lies to me and says he does because I think he's not trying to hurt my feelings. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll make something separate for you or you can make your own, whatever. Like, but I'm going to eat it. Stop me. Let me live my life. So first of all, everything tastes better in the motherland. I'm convinced. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I actually went to Ghana for the first time. I was like, this was like a few years ago. And I was like, damn, all the food tastes better. <laughs> <laughs> It makes sense. You have access to all the ingredients right there. And so it's fresh right there. Exactly. I just saw that chicken and I'm eating it and it tastes great. It's not (laughs) a problem. (laughs) There was nothing else added to it. It was right there. It was there. (laughs) (laughs) I know. In America, it's hormones and stuff. I try to be like more natural, but it's so expensive and the economy is garbage. Yeah, it's okay. So then I think this may be, Ajo, I think this may be a purely Ghanaian thing. Like, Kanke? Mm-hmm. I think Kanke is just a Ghanaian thing. Yeah, yeah, it's Ghanaian thing, yeah. Yeah, my sister not hates Kanke. She's, she's not, oh, 
<laughs> we were at my aunt's house when we were in Ghana and like we ate that for lunch one day and she's like, oh no, oh no. I like didn't, I don't eat it that often. So I forgot that she didn't like it. So then I felt bad. I was like, are you good? She's like, oh, it's okay. I just won't eat now. I don't want to ask her for anything else. I'm oh, like, all right. She didn't like it, but I like it. Me, what is it? Like? So it's like... Well, no, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like, but it's like a. It tastes like a little sour. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's fermented dough. Yeah. Yeah. Very oh, well. Yes, yeah. and it's usually wrapped in like, like, is it le- this leaf? In fact, brown leafy thing. I don't know what it is. Me it's either. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an acquired taste. I like it though. I like You've seen that. You might have seen it. Yeah. yeah. You might. Have yeah. Seen. A lot of times you eat it with like corned beef. Yeah. I like it oh, with corned beef. Okay. Yeah, it's I've good. We like corned beef too. <laughs> yeah, I never. Yeah, it comes. It, yeah, I think it's like purely a Ghanaian thing, yeah. and we yeah we like we like it and we like corned beef, so it's fine. Okay. Yeah, and then you have okay. I don't like ambala. I don't like it. Yeah, you have maturing is knowing that I'd like to. When I was one. <laughs> When I was young, I thought, why do they have this bit of, well, no, it, like, it's this it's a darker color. It's like almost like. That's the grayish one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so I thought that if something went wrong when they made it. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's what I assumed. But then when I, when you grow older, you have it again. You're like, you know what? There's actually like a mature, refined face. Because it brings a new dimension to the yeah. suit that you have it with. Because you have to experience the soup more because of the bitterness of the, the that, that's what i tell myself I like that's it. fine well, i feel like i'm not that picky when it comes to yeah, things i just yeah i just like food. i've had it yeah i had it once i wasn't a fan um i tried because it was there so i was yeah. like i'm gonna try to finish it i think i did but afterwards i was like i don't want that again <laughs> so then we have our favorite here fufu me and Ajwa team fufu. It's can be boiled cassava and also some yams in it. And each country apparently has a different way of making fufu. In Ghana, yeah, I didn't realize this. In Ghana, the Ivory Coast and Liberia, they separate and mix like equal portions of pounded yam, sorry, boiled cassava and cocoa yam and mix it with flour. Well, that I know like you can do it on, you can get the fufu flour and like mm-hmm. make it on the stove. But yeah, that's well. In other countries, I don't know what they do. I just have what Ivory Coast kind of and library. I've had it with plantain as well, and like it's like mixed with plantain as well. So there's the plantain with food as well. I've had it. I have had that. Yeah, it's, it's a little like stickier yeah. when you have it like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had that, and I like that. Mm-hmm. And then we have what I think is pretty universal. Okay, Eba. Here's the thing about Eba. <laughs> I didn't realize that you could eat it with soup. Because the only way I grew up eating it was as like like oh, a cereal. Oh, like yeah, Gary said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. With peanuts. And I asked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember talking to my dad about this. I was like, Dad, how come we never eat it like that? He's like, Because I didn't like it. I was like, Oh. <laughs> so he just like never, just like never made it. So I just like I had no idea. I just don't like that. I was like, oh, okay. Thanks for keeping me culturally naive, dad. 
Abba is good. It's a little grainy, but oh. I like it. You can eat it the day after, so it's, it can keep for a day. Instead yeah. of pounded yam and fufu don't really keep at all, you have to like, yeah, eat, yeah. It. eat it. Yeah. 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 And then the last one, and I never heard of this one. This is a Hausa thing. I didn't know this. Tuwo, it's like a cornmeal. Oh. Yeah, I don't know either, but just wanted to include Hausa people in there. I didn't want to leave you guys out. I hope you enjoyed that. So that's our everybody. This is Swallow. Sorry if you're like, I'm confused. I'm going to put pictures all over the blog so you can understand what we were talking about. Everyone has a different preference, but everything is good with any kind of soup. And don't be afraid. Okay, I've seen people do this. If you don't know, Please eat it with your hands. It tastes better. If you eat it with a if you eat it with a spoon, you're gonna feel stupid. It's not gonna work. <laughs> you you have to eat all this food with your hands. It will taste better. It'll be more functional for you, and you're just gonna enjoy it more. So it's fine. Let's go. All right. Now I'm gonna do my plug, and then we'll move on. If you guys enjoy this podcast, we're dying with the divine. That's what you're listening to. If you didn't know, you can subscribe on Apple or Google or Spotify or whatever. And then you can give us a rating if you like it. You can give me a tip if you want. And you can email me with any questions, comments, concerns at dinewiththedivinepod at gmail.com. Okay, that was nice and quick and dirty. All right, so now we're going to talk about a festival. So here's what happened, and this is why I even know about this. So again, like you guys know, I've talked about him many times. My fiance is from Nigeria. So one day we were talking, and my friend, one of my best friends, we were at like talking about Halloween, and she's like, Ashley, can you ask Yemi if there's like a Nigerian Halloween? Because I'm very interested to know. I was like, absolutely. Well, I'm going to ask him. So I was like, is there a Nigerian Halloween? He's like, oh, but it's way scarier. I was like, what? I just <laughs> to know everything about this. <laughs> so I put, and he made me, he said, you have to be, when I tell you about this, you have to tell them I'm from a kitty state. He's from a kitty state, everybody. It's important that you know this for some reason, um, according to him. So there is a festival. It's called the Agungun Festival. And it happens in Yoruba land. And in different states, it's different. This is, like, I don't want to put my notes, a kitty state reporting. There, so it usually happens during the yam festival. So yam mm. festivals are during, like, July and August. So it, now, there's been some videos on TikTok and people have made some memes about it. There's, like, a guy and it looks like he's dressed up, like, in all these leaves. It's some, I don't know if it's a guy, but there's like a figure dressed up in leaves and like hitting people. This is literally the Igungun Festival. Okay. Um, yeah, they're very different. So the belief during this time is that and much like your Samhain celebration, it's actually really closely related. The whole reason people dress up for Halloween is because, well, it's actually different, but I'll explain. The reason people dress up for a Samhain, Celtic Halloween or whatnot is because the theory is that the spirits of the dead people are going to come down, right? And you dress up so that they don't, like, try to bring you back with them. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I'm pretending I'm someone else. You don't know me. And, like, you're running around and it's mm -hmm. fun. Candy was introduced later. I don't know how the candy came to be, but whatever. <laughs> but during the Aguna Festival, there are these figures dressed up and they're believed to be the ancestors of the people coming down to do all sorts of stuff. So you'll see. It's a big festival. It's about a week long and a lot of people come out for this festival. And on the last day is like the biggest day because that's when they believe all these ancestral spirits are going back up into heaven, to the sky and whatnot. So it starts on a market day. And 
There is an area, usually it is a, um, if you don't know, it is a very Niger. It has a lot of uh, greenery. So there's usually a forest area where it's roped off and like nobody's going there. So this is where the spirits come out of. Now, who are these spirits and like what's going on here? So there is usually people who their family have been participating in this festival for years and years and years and years. Mm -hmm. They are the embodiments of these spirits. So they make these very um, elaborate costumes and they represent different kinds of spirits. They go into the woods and they change into these costumes. And they also in the woods do like rituals and prayers and different things so that they can basically become like filled with these spirits. Mm -hmm. So they put on the costume and then they have a procession and they go to usually the center of whichever town they're in. At this point, the different characters, they have different types of masks and they represent different people. I didn't write down all the different representations because I knew I wouldn't be pr able to pronounce them later. My fiance is at work. He can't help me. He, They come down and different ones are different. So he was explaining to me that like some are for like good luck and they're very peaceful. And mm. some of them are like mean and they'll like hit you if you look at them. So you have to. And he's like, as a kid, this is like very fun, right? Like you taunt the mean ones and they try to chase you and oh hit you. God. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this doesn't sound fun. He's like, no, it's fun. You get beat the crap out of by these people. I was like, it's not fun at all. And I was like, this wouldn't be me. I'd be, I can't run fast, so I can't play in the with these spirits. I just am not a runner. Some of the spirits, though, what they do is go to different people's houses. For instance, if somebody's petitioning for something, say there's a woman who is trying to get pregnant, or there's a couple trying to get pregnant, or somebody needs a job, or whatever they are hoping for, they can go to these spirits, usually give them, usually it's money now, but give these spirits money, and they have special items in their hands and they basically will bestow it on these people to help them achieve what they want to achieve pregnancy money a job if they're sick or somebody in their is sick in their family and they need help and so the different these different characters will go to these different houses and help people also when they're in the houses or actually when they're in the street they're said to have these visions and prophecies and I actually will record, I'm going to record my fiance making how they sound because it was good. He described how their voices sound very different. They tell you what they think is going to happen to you and they see visions because they're in the embodiments of these ancestral spirits at the time. Oh, I forgot this part. So the things that they said, they have items that they will like bestow on people to help them manifest stuff. It's in a cow horn. I forget the name that he used for it, but it's in the horn of a cow that they keep these things and they walk around with it. And people will literally just be like, you know, they'll get down and be like, hey, by the way, I need some help. And they'll come help you and tell you what they can do for you. Um, so this is really popular. Um, a lot of the people, a lot of the people in these different towns will come out and every town has different costumes. And I was looking on the Internet. The most what I found, the most elaborate costumes that I found were most of like Yoruba people who lived in Benin. Their costumes were extreme 
and they look very heavy and everyone looks hot. I don't know right. how they're wearing that. It's hot. <laughs> it's like, the one thing, I mean, the one may be different, but like in Ghana, when I was in Ghana and this was, I was in Ghana, it was summertime, but like the good thing about it is it's not like so humid. Yeah. It's mostly just hot. So like you're, even though it's 90 degrees, you it's fine because there's a breeze and you're okay. But I still don't know how people are wearing all this. I You're going to see on the blog all these clothes. It's a lot. And they're wearing a mask. And they're wearing, it's like, and some of them have costumes where they're just covered by leaves. Also hot. I don't know how yeah. everyone's not sweating their butts off. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know how. Yeah. yeah. I feel hot just thinking about it. Yeah. I'm guessing the same way from like wearing like mascot com- costume, like outfits in like parades and stuff like that. Yeah. Like you're, I guess you're ready for it because that's, I have two hours and I'm out. Being touched yet. Like, don't ask me anything after these two hours. I'm like, I'm in that college. My shift is over after this. I need water and I need rest. I'm tired. Like, quick. Yeah. Also, this this celebration, according to according to Yemi, he's that's the name of my fiance. According to him, this lasts for like twenty four hours. Things will be going on all night. Also, I guess they gotta have a lot of shift changes because everyone's tired. You'll hear people in the street at night. Obviously, it's not gonna be as loud, but people are doing stuff at night. People are doing special rituals at night, and all of this is from hundreds and thousands of years ago. So this has been going on and on for forever, and. Just a quick note, we're not going to actually talk about the Orishas this time because I found this other thing that we're going to talk about. Don't worry about it. But anyway, the Orishas that like if people are like, well, well, I don't understand this culture. A lot of people in the Americas know the Orishas because we have a lot of what they call African traditional religions or uh, diasporic traditional yeah. religions like Santeria, especially if you live in the Northeast like I do near New York, you know, a Puerto Rican who knows, ask any Puerto Rican what Santeria is. They'll tell you they're either scared of it or they think it's great. People will tell you everything about it. Like, so that's this is the culture where this festival is coming from, if you're mm-hmm. wondering what I'm talking about. So, yeah, that is the Agungun Festival. It's very cool. We were watching videos of it, and my fiance's like, I don't have a nightmare. Turn it off. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, lived it. I was like, this is your life. You can't know what I'm scared. I'm, I'm like, okay. Sweet. It's just so funny. But the costumes are cool. And I, I, mess, I don't know who's making these costumes because the whole thing about it is the people who are in, people know who are like in these families, but you don't know who's under the costume and that's part of it. And actually mm-hmm. there's parts of different beliefs, but it depends on where you are, that people are like, they cover their whole body. So you don't, you can't even see these people's hands or feet. You can't see anything. You don't know who's under there. Um, but again, at that point, they're like the embodiment of that spirit. So it's not like them. Like I said, their voices change. They're they might they're dancing a lot. They're doing all this stuff. So it's it's similar. If people want to think of it like scientifically, it's like being in a trance. They're in like a spiritual trance. So they're not here with us doing yeah. things that like to you made me like oh this is weird. But it's not weird for them. They're just like in that spiritual space. So. That's that festival. Look it up. Again, I'm going to put pictures up. It's fun. Okay. So 
Then I was like, what are we going to talk about today? Because you guys talk about a lot of really cool stuff on your content. And I was like, I want to find something that like, I don't know about either. So we can all learn together. (laughs) So you guys may have heard of this, but I never heard of this. And I actually found this out because I was like, doing something, reading something about like mommy watches spirits. And then this came up and I'd never heard of this. Okay. So we're actually traveling. Get on your, get your passports, everybody. We're going from Western Africa. We're going all the way to the East. Yeah. So we're going all the way to, we got like a Somalian Sudanese kind of situation here. And we're going to talk about czar. This is literally, it's just called czar. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what's czar? Now you'll find out. So czar is like a couple different things. So czar refers to the spirit. It can also refer to like a spiritual tradition or a set of ceremonies. And it's mostly a spirit that deals with women, but it can deal with men sometimes. And it actually deals with people who are creative, like artists. Um, Yeah, which is interesting. There's not a lot of written records, and I think it's also because these are countries that, like Sudan, Somalia, that have been, um, like, Muslim for a really long time. So a lot of those really old things aren't really popular in the culture anymore, but it's in the folk culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in a lot of countries, actually, it's completely illegal to even deal with these czar. Um, Actually, the former president, Nasser of Egypt, tried tried to make it illegal to, like, talk about it because he was like we're not talking about this anymore oh okay yeah it's a situation so czar they believe could be like a subset of jinn but they also say it's not because it's completely forbidden in islam to consort with jinn and czar spirits are different and you'll see so this is it's very secretive but it is something that is known throughout different parts of Eastern and Northern Africa and wherever there's been people who have moved around in that area. Um, it seems to have started in Ethiopia and or parts of Sudan. And they, so the czar spirits are these spirits that possess people and they cause a lot of these symptoms. So if somebody is possessed, possessed by a czar spirit it said it's not even possessed so possessed is like our word that we have to use because that's how our language is but for them they call it being covered or being clothed that's what it's translated to mm-hmm. and the symptoms of a czar possession are infertility malaise, seizures or being accident prone maybe you're falling all the time or something like that and if it's truly a czar possession no medical treatment will help these people will just continuously have these problems. So they have to go see somebody who's basically like a specialist in the czar. So like mm-hmm. a shamanic specialist. Most of these shamanic czar specialists are women and the victims are usually women. So I found this super interesting that a lot of the time the victims are divorced women or un- women in an unhappy marriages. And I was like, huh. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I was like, when unhappy marriages, okay. So there was also like a theory because when like when Western people came in and they were like, what is going on with these people? They were like, maybe the theory is that these women wanted things or like they needed to get out of situations. And they were like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna pretend I'm possessed. 
quit and still let my husband leave me alone. Yeah. So they were saying like, yeah, that may be like part of it, but they don't know for sure. Also, in different parts of the world, I've read this somewhere, but like, for instance, the term running amok, like people say, oh, this person's running amok. Mm-hmm. This is very it's specific um, mental illness specific to like Southeast Asia, because like sometimes people just like lose their shit. Like that's just a thing that happens there. And there's a lot more specific mental illnesses than I think we know. So some mm-hmm. people think this might be like that, like a regional mental illness. Also, like, I remember, okay, years ago, I went to Israel to visit my friend because she was living there. And they have, like, a ward in most mental hospitals just for people who think they're Jesus Christ. Isn't that crazy? What? A whole ward? <laughs> yeah. That's not just people. Yeah. This is violent? Oh, yeah. Well, people just, like, go there and think they're Jesus. And they're like, oh. Yeah, I'm Jesus now. And they're like, no, no you're not. It's the world still by like, 50 Jesus. No, the thing that I can imagine yeah. that from receptionist day, and I, oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> they're like, another one. <laughs> uh, yeah, to be I know, they're like, this is the 40th person today who thought they were Jesus Christ. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah, they think. Oh, and the other reason they were like, these are unhappy housewives is because these dark spirits, they crave very specific things. It's always like luxury items. It's like Mm -hmm. very fancy perfumes, very fancy foods. Yeah. Fancy clothes. They're like, oh, are these just women who want stuff and their husbands are buying them? What are the best? I wouldn't be surprised if that's what it is. The very specific sets yeah. circumstances that okay, and you we actually also talked about this in a different episode. That we we're talking about Southeast Asian spirits, like these scary spirits, and we we're talking about how a lot of them were like women who like were vampiric women, like they would kill these people just like because they were wronged. Mm-hmm. And our guest at the time, son, she was making a point. She's thinking about like, and this happened all over the world, right? Women who were disenfranchised, who, like, a, a long time ago, they weren't allowed to have jobs or, like, they had to stay home. The only way they could get what they want were by being sneaky about it. So they'd be like, I'm possessed. I need a new dress now. Like, so, like I need something better clothes. I'm not here. I didn't want to keep doing it. I was wondering about I'm and you're like, I wasn't doing any. I was possessed by this spirit. And let <laughs> and we talked about, like, in the case of those other spirits, these South Asian spirits, we were talking about how a lot of the time it was like the story was like, oh, a woman who got pregnant and her husband left her to deal with the child. So she became an angry spirit because just don't do that. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's like, now she runs around and kills men and sucks their hearts out. Yeah. Because just don't abandon your baby. Yes. Back in the day, people were probably just like, this, these stories will inspire people to not do things wrong or yeah. do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Buy your wife a new dress if you're the one who's making the money, I guess. So the other thing about czar spirits, okay, so they crave, oh, they crave, they're very attracted to humans. They want to possess people. And they get different offerings depending on the spirit. 
So how they identify a czar spirit is that the czar spirit will reveal itself during a ceremony. It will speak through the possessed person. It may come to like the shaman who's trying to help that person in a dream. And it may take, oh, by the shaman will take like an item from the woman who thinks she might be possessed and put it under their pillow Mm -hmm. so that when they sleep, they can dream and figure it out. They need to be in a body. They need to use the body as a proxy. They will ask the human to do whatever it is that they need. So if the czar is like, I want a green dress, you have to get that human a green dress. If they want like this fancy incense, you have to get it for them. Mm -hmm. And the czar are really rebellious and they do things that like, quote unquote, women aren't supposed to do or like proper, not proper for women. Like they want to drink maybe a lot of alcohol. They want to go to a lot of parties. They want to smoke lots of cigarettes and do like all that rebellious stuff. (laughs) But the difference between a lot of czar, except an which is interesting. So czar can be different religions also. You can have Muslim czar and you can have Christian czar. You can have like indigenous religion czar, whichever one. So, like, for instance, Muslims are, they don't drink. And Muslims are, are the only ones that can be exercised. They're the only ones that can come out of your body. Because the mom has a special way of doing, like, a Quranic exorcism. They're the only ones that can be expelled. The rest of them stay in your body for the rest of your life. And that's it. Wow. Wait, so you can have more than one in you. And only, like, the Muslim one leaves. Or is it if you just happen to have the Muslim one, it's curable? If you happen to have the Muslim one, it's curable. Right. If it's not Muslim, it doesn't care. Yeah. Yes. How do you find out which one you have? Because it, it, yeah, people trying to find out does my dog speak Spanish? Okay. Didn't respond to me for kissing. It's so, as me not being a czar specialist, I'm assuming that your czar doctor will tell you, like, they'll diagnose you like you have a Muslim czar, so we can go to your local imam and they can help you. Or, like, your czar, they're like, mm, your czar don't believe in nothing, so I don't know what you're going to do. Oh, go. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm like, what if your czar is, like, an atheist? I don't know what you're going to So because the only czar that leave are the Muslim ones, you're like, oh, no, what do I do if I don't have a Muslim czar? Well, girl, you're going to have to deal with it because this is what happens. So they say that the czar spirit can actually become an ally. But you have to go to, like, your czar doctor to figure this out. They have Mm -hmm. to figure out how to appease the czar, get it whatever it wants, I guess. And then they do ceremonies, they drum, they dance. Sometimes they do sacrifices of an animal that they usually eat afterwards. And this can take a few days to a few hours. This can take a while. Each czar is completely different. They want completely different things. And like I said already about the... Oh, and one thing I thought is hilarious is non-Muslims are, they'll drink alcohol, but Muslims are like soda. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. If you're if you're drinking soda, you're like, yep, that's yeah. it. My czar like soda. <laughs> they have a Muslim czar. Well, you do have a Muslim czar. They also typically like fruit, cheese, olives, beer, perfume. Again, if it's not a if it's a Muslim, they won't drink the beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethiopian czar like coffee. 
Which a lot of Ethiopian people drink coffee. So I guess that's common there. And they have special talismans, the Ethiopian ones that they make. (laughs) And they really like henna and incense and flowers and roses. Oh, back to the ceremony. So these czar ceremonies trying to figure out like how how we can appease it and integrate it into you. They like I said, they take they can take days or hours, depending on how like I guess crazy your czar is. And the whole point is to try to make them work with you. So sometimes people will see it as a blessing because they'll be like, actually, if I can get this czar to not be like making me tired and sick all the time, I actually the the spirit of the czar will help you attain the things that you want Mm -hmm. and help the people around you attain the things that you want. So these people end up being like good luck people if we can get this under control. Some czar, which I think is also crazy, can be passed from mother to daughter as a guardian. Yeah, so this is just a generational czar issue. This is so strange. Yeah, we got how it happens. Like, really? Huh? If your mom wants seven friends, then yeah, okay, fair enough. I guess I, it's like passed through your umbilical cord. Yeah, does it happen like during birth or does it just happen like randomly, like say during puberty or. Because I guess like ch- children don't really want specific things. Like, yeah it makes a lot well i wonder too because you think of like you just said puberty that's a really there's a lot of things right all yeah. over the world puberty ceremonies sig- signify so yeah. i would think that like that would be a good time if your neighborhood czar is gonna possess you they'll be like yeah. oh she's becoming a woman like let's yeah. Go make her one expensive perfume now. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I was like, huh, okay, mom to daughter. And yeah, like I already said, Zara can be different in different countries and different places. So I just think, I thought it was interesting because like, you don't, we don't know a lot about like pre-Islamic, like Africa on that side. You yeah. know, you don't like hear a lot about it. And even like the folk stuff, it's a lot of it's being snuffed out. So I was like, huh, this is this is something that has survived a long time. Again, it seems to be a more secretive thing now because of yeah. these places all being. But this is apparently, I think in Sudan, I was reading this can be like a real issue. Like people really will have really big problems with these czar. So it's important. I guess they were saying that like we don't completely get rid of this because people, even if something is just a belief. It's still that powerful, right? People are still going to be, yeah, people are still going to be affected by it. If every if people have this belief and you're like, no, no, you can't do anything about it. Then you have a woman who like cannot function because she's, no, I have this thing and I need this special kind of spiritual priest, doctor, shaman, whatnot. Yeah, I think, I think sometimes people are very quick to be like, we don't need to talk about these rituals or these mythologies and yeah. things. But it's like, no, but. It's ingrained in the culture, right? Like, yes. yeah. At one point in time, it becomes someone's reality. And because mm-hmm. if you think about it enough, it becomes your reality. And even in, like, with, like, when talking about dealing with mental health or mo- mental issues, you have to address it and deal with it within the lens or the worldview that they know of. Yeah. Rather than yes. just to tell them, oh, no, you'll never talk about it or chastise them. Yeah. It, that can do a lot more what damage than. Mean? You know, yeah. Exactly. And I think of all like the Nollywood movies you watch, right? Yeah. Every movie, what happens at the end? Somebody does something wrong, 
and they shouldn't have done it and they quote unquote run mad. This is like a, this is, when I remember like when I'm growing up, I just assume, I know people have schizophrenia. I know, understand that. But to me, running mad was always seen as, oh, somebody did something. Like that's always what I believed when I was a kid because I would watch Aki and Popo and all those people. And like, that's what happened in all the movies. (laughs) I really like and and honestly to a degree and like when I talk to my dad and I talk to my fiance it's the same thing we talk about these stories of people who quote-unquote ran mad but like again in the United States in the western world it would be seen very different but there it was like no it's because x y and z happened or they did this or somebody didn't like them and then this happened to them and like for everybody there, it's even though it's like a most a lot of West African, it's still yeah. like, oh, no, like this is what yeah. actually mm-hmm. happened. And when people discount that, it's, it's bad. And I, yeah. yeah, we all have to be more culturally sensitive. Definitely. Um, yeah. So that's your mental health moment from somebody who's not a mental health person. Me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's in our spirits. Now you know about that. Oh, we don't think yes. wow. No kind of them. Never met. That was really interesting. Yeah, really. yeah, me either. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. One thing I like too, and I mean, I think all cultures are like, I think I've noticed this in like African mythology and you guys can tell me what you think though too. But like one thing I think about in African mythology, a lot of different places in Africa, most spirits aren't like just like good or bad. I feel like in a lot of Western stuff, this is good or this is bad. And in African mythology, everybody's mixed. It's very normal human behavior. Like this one doesn't like this one and this one's yeah. fighting with this one. Yeah. And sometimes they like and sometimes those two bang, but they're not married and it's fine. Like yeah. it works. Yeah. It's, it's very humanized. Yeah. Which I think yeah. right, because it makes it more easy to understand, more relatable in a sense. Yeah, and yeah. it's more likely <laughs> to help you through learning about yeah. life experiences. Yeah. Um, but I think the whole idea of good and evil sort of came with like the colonization and those doctrines and the ideas because before the ideas of good and evil or good and bad was really transient and sort of yeah. just a scale of how people behaved or what they did or it, yeah. it wasn't that this is good and this is evil but once like it's colonization came in yeah. it was a this guy's the devil this guy's good yeah you, you have to categorize it in yeah. these two ways yeah and then people started to adapt to that and then that's when you start getting people doing things spiritually which is just bad or which mm-hmm. is good and yeah that's yeah it's interesting it's interesting to see how it's developed yeah it really is and i think i think like you just said it helps people well both of you just said this it helps people a lot more when you can look at even the stories of the deities and these different things it's even especially i'm thinking of the orishas especially like they argue they like don't get along sometimes this one doesn't like yeah. this one but there's a lot there's so many stories of them and then there's stories where they all come together because they're like well we have to deal with this shit or like yeah. we have to deal with this well, we have to just get along for today and then we're not gonna talk again like that's no, it's fine it's like, like you know but i think it, it shows so many stories there's so many stories that show like community and forgiveness and like working together and i like really and it's more it's way more about community all these mythologies are more about community and community help like everybody ends up having to help everybody Mm -hmm. and i think 
Like when you think of a lot of the major Western religions, it's all about the individual. You have to be good. And if you're not, you're going to go to hell or whatever. But Mm -hmm. this is no, we all as a community have to work together because we're not going to eat if we don't do some type of ritual for this god or goddess or like all our water is going to go bad and we're not going to be able to fish. So we all have to hang out together and like get along. Even though I hate my neighbor and she's a bitch. Like, but we all for this week, we all I really enjoy that. And I love the way that you guys present the stories. I like really admire, first of all, your art is amazingly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the way you explain their stories are easy for everybody to understand. And I feel like easy to relate. And I love that you're just like bringing this to the forefront. I think it's really cool. So thank, thank you. you. You're doing that. everyone a service. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You're doing us all a service, so thank you. So now we can come to the end of the show. So I just want to thank you guys for being here and just let everybody know where they can find you, like on the internet and all that good stuff. So you can find us on Instagram and TikTok, Atelier. Yeah, A-D-E-C-H-E dot Atelier. Yeah, it's hard to talk from the Instagram, right? All the links will be in the show notes anyway, so... You just literally have to go to the show notes and click and you'll find all their social media, I promise. Amazing. So, well, you can find our work on our website. You can buy stuff, beautiful art to your house. There's definitely something that you'll connect with at adechi.com. Yeah. yeah. And we have a podcast as well, Afro Midden, so we speak more about the deities and the folklore stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Yes. Listen to their podcast. You guys also have very nice voices. I enjoy listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very therapeutic. It makes me feel really good and relaxed. And it's the accent. Yeah. The, everybody, especially Americans, love a British accent. When I used to go to school, people be like, is your mom coming? She loves the way she talks. I'm like, okay, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> it's not that exciting. <laughs> like I, when you hear it every day, you're like, it's not. It's, it's fine. Not, yeah. Well, she lost it. If my friends, people who don't know, they're like, oh, your mom, the accent's really strong. But then when she speaks to her siblings, they don't think so. They mm-hmm. think it's so faded. But I don't know, because it's hard. I hear it every day. It's the same thing. Yeah. Like, my my dad's been here since the 70s. Mm-hmm. But my friends are like, I can barely understand your father. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, his <laughs> <laughs> accent's fine. I don't see what the difficulty is, but whatever. But... But thank you, everybody. All those links will be in the show notes. Thank you again for being here. Once again, this is Dying with the Divine. We're on Apple. We're on all the major platforms. It's free. Subscribe. Why not? Uh, you can find us on dyingwiththedivine at gmail.com if you want. Dyingwiththedivinepod at gmail.com if you want to email us. Social media, I'm Dying with the Divine, like TikTok and Instagram and all that good stuff. And if you want to follow me, Ashley, I'm Sankofa HS. That's S-A-N-K-O-F-A-H-S. And Sankofa Healing Sanctuary on Facebook. And once again, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you, Samuel. Thank you, Ajwa. This has been so much fun. And we're going to have all a good day and have a great week. And I'll see you next time. Bye. See you. Bye. So, you know, this episode, we talked a lot about the Agungan Festival. And I said one of my main sources was my lovely fiance. He is here with us and he's going to do the voice that I was telling you about. So I'm going to let him introduce himself. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Yemi Akinagya. Um, I was born in a town called Ikere, 
Ikiti in southwest Nigeria. So I grew up, enjoy attending uh, Igigun Festival. I remember very well, even when I was in primary school. After school hours, we have to go to the marketplace to see different Igigun parading and going around different houses. And I can remember how they talk and everything. And because I was really, it was part of my childhood. So, so you ready? <laughs> so now he's going to example for us on how they sounded when they would be telling people different yeah. prophecy or yeah. just talking in general, right? Yeah. These are the masquerade, the Agumba spirits with the people in the costumes, this is how they would speak to other people, right? Yes. Okay. So when they arrive in front of your house, mm -hmm. uh, to let you know that Egigun is around, even walking on the street, you will know Egigun is around, and their voice, uh, their, you know, greeting is, it means the visitor, the house owner, uh, Egugwins are around and they just greet. They will have like a voice to like singing and you know, you know, very, very loving and in little kid can be little scared with rump, you know. But as you know, as I'm growing old, you know, I get used to everything. I, you know, I have some of my friends from, you know, Egigun family house, you know, that make me know a little bit about them. So I, I don't get scared more. So, yeah. <laughs> That means they will do this year and they will do the next year. They will do many, many more festivals. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is it in a nutshell. Wow. <laughs> there you go, everybody. Wasn't that a treat? Thank you so much, babe. You are very welcome, sir. So now you know the man that I talk about all the time. That's him. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. So I hope you enjoyed this little extra. Bye. See you next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>